shift happens. I can't! I can't! This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my brand new online course, Mindfulness for Anxiety, the ultimate anxiety program. If you're someone who suffers from anxiety, then I can tell you right now, you are not alone. In here at our center, we deal with people day in, day out, suffering from all types of addictions, from all types of mental illness, and the one common thread that we see in everyone at some level is this anxiety. So I've put together this online course with some of the best tools, the best healing methods we have here at the center to make it accessible to everyone and really start to tackle this problem. So for more information, please head on over to anxietycourse.online. That's anxietycourse.online and enter the coupon code SHIFT HAPPENS. That's all one word, SHIFT HAPPENS for 50% off the price of the course, which makes the course like... I think it's 40 bucks. So 40 bucks for a heap of on-demand video, 30 different lectures, a PDF syllabus to fill out and go through as you go in your own time, a bunch of meditations to download and much, much more. So guys, head on over and start to get on top of your anxiety today. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome back to another episode of Shift Happens. It's Christmas time here in Melbourne. It's actually Christmas Eve at the time of recording. The sun is shining. People are on holidays and they're a bit nicer to each other. It's a beautiful time to be in this part of the world. I had an absolute ball chatting with my guest today, Christopher James Irving. Chris is the CEO and founder of the Zenith Network, which is a health platform connecting high-grade health practitioners from all walks with people who really, really need it. Chris is a super passionate guy. He is really, really on purpose and you'll get all that with this podcast. We had an amazing chat. We covered so much ground. I can't even begin to cover it all right now, but we spoke about what he's up to now, where the idea of the Zenith Network came from, the challenges he went through in his life, a lot about applicable steps for you taking forward. There's a lot of motivational stuff in here. It's just chock full of absolute Christmas goodies, this podcast. Um, guys, if you want to check out the show notes, so a lot of what we cover in this episode, then head on over to shpodcast.com.au. That's shpodcast.com.au. And without further ado, here is my wide-ranging chat with Mr. Christopher James Irving. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Shift Happens podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hassan, and I have the absolute pleasure of being joined on this beautiful Christmas Eve here in Melbourne by Mr. Christopher James Irving. Chris, how are you, mate? I'm doing real well. Thanks for having me, Ryan. No worries, um, mate. We've, uh, we've got our coffees here. The shops at Southland next door are fucking mental at the minute, being Christmas Eve. I saw a, I think I got tagged in a meme yesterday, saying it's one day until blokes do all their shopping. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. I'm, luckily, I was one one of the exceptions. I got it done a couple of weeks ago. A with couple my of wife. weeks ago? Yeah, I was definitely on it. Yeah. And um, yeah, no pressure leading up to the big day. So. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Like I think I did it one year. I don't know why, but I did it early and it was a very liberating feeling, but I've just never done it since. Yeah, you have to do it. You make it a yearly thing and a yeah. habit and yeah, you do feel better. Don't have to worry about it leading right up to it. So Nice, mate. So let's get stuck into who you are, a little bit about your life. You're wearing a Zenith Apparel top here. You are the CEO and founder of the Zenith Network. Why don't you tell us a bit about what Zenith is all about? 
Yeah, thanks, Ryan. So basically, we're just a health and wellness um, network that is trying to get together the what we call the eight percent in the industry, the the change makers, the innovators, and the thought leaders who don't just see what they do as a as a nine to five, but really um, a burning passion and an extension of themselves. They they love what they do. They want to see change, I guess, in their environments and in their society. And they see the value in linking up with other like-minded people. And the individuals that we've been able to bring um, to Zenith has just been amazing. And the collaborations that we've done already um, have been you know life-changing for people. So yeah, it's really cool to just be a part of that. And I feel myself growing every day, just getting around these different health and wellness professionals. So it's pretty cool. So it's being able to really connect people who need these services with the the best quality practitioners around, the ones who are really making a difference, right? Yeah, totally, Ryan. Because I guess um, I knew someone uh, a few years back who had a negative health experience and it just got me thinking that, you know, that's going to influence their attitude to seeking further health services in the future. So why not create a, I guess, a network with people who are doing it at the highest quality Mm -hmm. and then deliver that to the people who need it most. So it takes the guesswork out for them. Mm -hmm. And then we go on to collaborate and do workshops of the highest quality on different things like anxiety, nutrition. So we're a one-stop shop physically physical and mental health and even spiritual health. So it's pretty cool. It, it's all health, right? It's all health. That's <laughs> it's, it. To, to think that our physical and our mental health are somehow separate is just, it's an old paradigm, right? It's an old thing that the body and the mind are separate, but they're so interwoven with the emotions, with the spirituality, with the whole lot, right? Yeah, 100%, Ryan. So yeah, at Zenith, we're big on holistic health and all our practitioners, I guess, don't see their field of health in isolation. And that's why they love the idea of an all-inclusive network where they can work together collaboratively with other health professionals and then really bounce ideas off each other and work with um, people sort of holistically, like I said, so. Nice, nice. And so you said that, you knew someone who had a bit of a negative experience with a with a health service. Do you mind, without going into too much detail of names and all that, do you mind giving us a bit of a rundown of what that was? Yeah, definitely. So it was a, a family member and um, it was a, a counsellor and uh, that counsellor basically didn't really have, have time for this family member and um, ultimately they had a really negative experience and didn't want to go on to seek further mental health services in the future. And knowing this person, I guess, and their journey and their experience and knowing how beneficial it could have been, it just, it really disheartens me to know that they didn't get the help they needed because of that really early um, negative experience from, Mm -hmm. I think, age 12 it was. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's hard because often when we are struggling, and I see it a lot with the uh, rehab industry as well, what we're in, that um, someone can go and have a negative experience and then like we do, we like to generalize and all of a sudden we just cast aside all of the industry and say that they're all fucked, they're all, they're all <laughs> shit house, or that I'm not going to get treated, I'm going to get looked down or I'm going to get judged. Uh, and like you said, that stops people getting help in the future. Yeah, so how did, and how did this, this family member, did they end up getting the help that they needed eventually? Um, to this stage, they still haven't really gotten that help mm-hmm. that they've needed to get. So, um, so this really affected you seeing that, right? Yeah, seeing it firsthand, seeing the journey they've gone on. Um, they've, they've slowly figured it out on their own terms, but it's been such a longer battle um, with things that didn't need to happen happening. And um, I know that things could have been rectified a lot earlier on mm-hmm. if she had have gotten the services that she needed at that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it would have positively framed her experiences of, of mental health and yeah, it would have been a totally different outcome. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a, um, I had a similar kind of thing with a, with chiropractic. A lot of people have different 
kind of theories and, and opinions on chiropractic. But I never went because I just sort of, I got told by physios and massage people and all that. It's like, no, you don't go there, don't go there. And um, so I just avoided it for bloody ages. And I suffered from this sciatic pain in my back for years. It would be go up and down, you know. At the very best, it would be like a 2 or 3 out of 10 pain and I could do everything and be fine. But then it would flare up and, you know, be 8 or 9 out of 10 pain and that kind of thing. And it was up and down like that for years. And then I finally bit the bullet one day because we met a guy who Melissa know who was a chiropractor. I'm like, he's a nice dude. I'm just going to go see him, right? And it was great. He sorted me out. Like <laughs> I saw him for maybe five or six sessions and he completely got rid of my sciatica. Um, and I can imagine it would be the same if I maybe went to someone goes to a chiropractor and just because they're maybe not the best health professional, then all these other great practitioners get painted with that same brush. So is this, this is sort of the, the fuel or where the Zenith Network came from right yeah this totally. warning to connect yeah. people with the highest quality professionals yeah 100 percent. that was the you know underpinning why and um it's led to some you know extraordinary things and it's really evolved from the initial idea of just being an extraordinary network for um high quality practitioners to really uh, a movement so to speak of, of things that we're starting to do um you you are uh, alluded to the thing we're doing called deliberately better next year you're going to yes. ask me about that yes and that's so. all about you know practicing what we preach as mm-hmm. health professionals and we're going to go out in 2018 and actually subject ourselves in sort of as human experiments so to speak guinea and, pigs yeah guinea pigs <laughs> in all things uh mental and physical health or holistic health so each month is a new challenge mm-hmm. that we're going to try and overcome different fears and and different setbacks and limiting belief systems to become deliberately better so our first month in january is uh random acts of kindness okay where we're going to go out and um, talk to health professionals about the psychological benefits of altruism and we're going to have 31 different things that we're just doing everyday things that people can do to make other people's lives better and random acts of kindness so you'll be doing one a day for the whole month right yeah one a day myself and one of our other mental health practitioners um damon ashworth who's mm-hmm. one of our psychologists on board the zenith network um he pitched the idea to me originally and we've just really rolled with it from there and there's going to be different things like one month's also going to be a nutrition month. So we're going to try the, the ketogenic diet. Okay, um, so it, full it, strict keto for a month. Full strict keto yep. and intermittent fasting. And mm-hmm. we're going to get our blood tests done before and after. We're also going to be tracking um, memory recall because it's said to improve memory. Yes. And we're also going to be tracking subjective levels of well-being and energy and focus. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just getting a videographer following us along for the whole journey. And it's open to our community as well to awesome. get on that journey with us and show show us their results so that's going to be really cool that's awesome and i think yeah a lot of people will resonate with most i think you couldn't start off the year any better like i can i can just imagine what 31 days of random acts of kindness are going to do for you um because i know if i just do one thing a week (laughs) like purely for someone else it's like great for them but i feel fucking fantastic afterwards right i reckon after a month of that you mightn't want to stop yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And another thing I'm want, wanting to look at is I've done this thing called the VIA Character Strength Survey, which ranks your character strengths from, I think it's 1 through to 24. And uh, m- myself and Damon are on different levels in terms of kindness. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who it impacts more based on yeah, where their starting levels okay. of kindness were. Because yep. I think Damon's levels of kindness were actually quite a lot higher than mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a nice person, seriously. <laughs> He's but, an um, asshole. Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't one of my things that was right 
right in the top five where I think for Damon it was a top five. So yeah, okay. it'd be interesting to see if it, you know, potentially impacts me more because it's something that's out of my comfort Because it might be, yeah, more more natural to him. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be very, very interesting to see. I love how you're documenting the whole thing as well. Yep. I'm looking forward to the, to the nutrition one as well. Have you played with the ketogenic diet before? Um, yeah, I have. Uh, to, not, not really strictly, but I've had good results. I've probably been at my lowest body fat percentage and felt my best energetically when I when I've mucked around with it also with intermittent fasting so I'm keen to see mm-hmm. I guess what a month um, strictly doing it will look like and yeah. and if it's something that we could potentially sustain as a lifestyle thing because you know diet don't really like the word and um, I guess to get started maybe you need a bit of that sort of strict mentality but if it's something that I could actually integrate as a lifestyle change and really sustain it and share that with other people that'll be really really cool and Keto potentially is one that could go that way because it's said to give high levels of you know satisfaction in terms of the fact that you don't feel hungry because mm. you eat a lot of fats and proteins. Yes. So it really keeps you full. So yeah. it's not one where you're tracking your calories or anything like that. You can eat as much cheese and as much you know good cuts of steak or anything yeah, like that as yeah. you want. We won't get too much into that, but um, that's one of the months and yeah, it'll be yeah. pretty fun. I've, I found I was I did it for a couple of months. I think it might have been last year. Um, but I found definitely that the whole the satiation, like the not feeling hungry, um, the mental side is is amazing. I found just you're so switched on, um, mainly as well because you're not hungry. You don't have to think about your next meal as much. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm spending 50% of my time thinking about what I'm eating next. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, with this sort of uh, way of eating, you do find people only need to eat once or twice a day because it is – I did, the word you said before, but I didn't want to say it because I don't know how to pronounce the word sometimes. Did you know the say? Satiated. Yeah, it's a weird yeah, word yeah, to yeah. say. So. I, I went to say it and I'm like, I hope this comes out right. <laughs> yeah. I think it did. <laughs> totally, totally. I was filming during my um, psych degree. I had to do a video where I was filming with someone going through a session and another word that I just really uh, couldn't say was um, there was this word and I kept having to say it over and over again and um, it's actually escaped me yeah. <laughs> just right right on cue but um, yeah it was a similar sort of setup and I just couldn't say it I kept lisping on the word every yeah. time uh, my friend Lucas he'll, he'll know the uh, the word so I'll yeah. ask him and we'll get it in well, the comments one section. of the ones for me is um, inanimate <laughs> fuck <laughs> inanimate object like you know an object that yeah. just doesn't move or anything yeah yeah because yeah. when I always I get on my high horse and start firing up and I've done it on a couple of videos there's a video I did really early on about the, the so-called ice epidemic and I started really ranting about how we declare a war on a drug which yeah. is an inanimate <laughs> object yeah. and I get on this great flow and this great rant and I always fuck up that word yeah <laughs> yeah, I know I know what you mean and you think should I cut it out or should I just show people that imperfections are okay and, yeah, and just roll yeah. with it and most of the time I go with the latter. Show, of show everyone that you know you're not perfect and of that's course, okay. Of course. Far yeah. from it, the mate. The humanness of it all. It. Yeah, that's what exactly. people need to hear. They don't need to hear a clear cut, perfect representation of yeah. what something should look like. So. I love it, I love it. So deliberately better starting in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, is there somewhere that people can follow along with that? Yeah, we do have a Facebook group um, for it, which is entirely free and we'll be posting, I guess, our proper filmed videos, which is going to be like a 12-part series from each month. But there'll also be, you know, weekly contributions where we're just updating people on what's been going on. And that's a space where people can get involved as well. 
and they can be a part of it and be sharing their journey. If they want to come along and do every month with us, um, we encourage that and we'd love to, you know, to be a part of that with them. So at the very least, I encourage people to do the first month. Yeah, the random, <laughs> the random acts of kindness and then see how you go. You might love it and might want to, you know, stay on board because each month uh, gets even more and more exciting with, with new things. So Yeah. Have you got any like... Um like what kind of health tech are we talking? Any, any like real cutting edge stuff that you... Yeah, so one of the months we're going around and subjecting ourselves to all the latest health tech. So we're not just writing about it, we're actually going to go and do it. So we're talking float tanks, infrared saunas. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got? I'm trying to think of... Yeah, cryotherapy. Cryotherapy was one of them, that's right. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was every day will be a new thing. And I haven't personally done any of those um, health tech yeah, sort of things. I know right. you've, you've got on the float tank and infrared um, saunas. The float tank and sauna... Um, I've floated, yeah, I don't know, 50, 100 times, something like that. Love the float tanks. Um, infrared sauna, fantastic as well. Uh, cryotherapy, I've done twice. Um, that was really cool as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. What? How did, you, how did you feel that went? Some people have told me that it's pretty intense in one word to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it's so. pretty intense. So I, was, I was waiting. Uh, me and my mate went a couple of times to this one called Gravity Cryo in South Yarra um, because that's the actual full room because there's two types. You've got the chamber, um, which sort of it's it's enclosures around you but just goes up to your neck. So it's from your neck down. But obviously, I think 60% of our nerve endings are in our head. So I wanted to go in the full room one. So The full um, experience. The full experience, that's right. So yeah, I went with a mate and you strip down to your jocks and you got to put like gloves on. Uh, like slippers and earmuffs. So it's just the extremities you have to protect. Yeah. But you do three minutes and it's, yeah, minus, minus 150 or minus 200 it's like Celsius. Like yep. it's bloody cold. But it's it's kind of weird. Like you're in there for three minutes and a voice will come on saying halfway. Yep. And at halfway, you're like, oh, this is no problem. It's cold, but like it's fine. But it's that last minute that, that really, really gets you. So, but you come out and you just you're jacked like you're pumped right you just like you look shredded didn't you yeah well, <laughs> you're just that but mentally like mentally you just fired up yeah, and yeah. like you're you're jabbering on you're really high energy i think a lot of the studies show that it releases a lot of norepinephrine in the brain the neurotransmitter um releases those cold shock proteins meant to reduce inflammation great for your joints so yeah, there's some cool studies around it but per, from my experience like i just felt good afterwards like the the long-term effects i'd probably have to do it you know once a week and really monitor that to, to, to know that yeah definitely really excited to try it i was thinking while you're saying stripping down to your jocks that bonds could film their next sort of marketing campaign there you know how it's the very comfy undies yeah yeah, yeah. whole concept <laughs> and then they could be in the cryotherapy chamber and they're still unfazed by the ice because they've yeah. got the bonds on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pat rafter in there or something <laughs> no i heard dusty martin's gonna be the new uh rep so oh, he's everywhere isn't dusty, he mate? he's just taking over the world <laughs> i love it i love it um so what else is happening in your life at the minute mate you're married you're you're living out in the north yeah out in the northern burbs so opposite end of uh cheltenham here where yeah. we are now but <laughs> yeah up in the sticks near yarrambat sort of way nice beautiful trees and national parks out there but yeah. um still only probably about 50 minutes from the cbd so my wife and i we really like nature and being surrounded with it so yeah building the house at the moment which has been a really fun process and yeah um, what stage is that at so still at slab stage, but we've got everything figured out in terms of what the house is going to look like and perfecting all that. And it's yeah. kind of fun. Like I remember when I did it years ago. It's it's kind of fun. Like choosing we want these colours, we want the tiles to be this, and you oh, sort yeah. of you start to construct what your home is going to look like in your head. Yeah, totally. We did a bit of a sort of gender role reversal. I became sort of more the, the woman of the yeah. stereotype where I was getting all involved in the colour selection. Yeah, and yeah. What the aesthetics were going to look like and 
down to the very finest detail. I wanted to know what our bricks were going to look like. We went and sourced out these custom bricks that were only made in, I guess, uh, three hours away. They're called Kraus bricks, uh, if you're ever looking Kraus. for some quality bricks. Um, so these are your heritage reds and blues. This episode of the podcast brought to you by Kraus bricks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's that, you know, that sort of rustic heritage look when you've got those recycled red bricks. And yeah, so we're yeah. contrasting that with some black window frames and some oh, high nice. ceilings. So we won't, we won't go into a, you know, a design <laughs> episode, but it's going to look great. It sounds like you're enjoying it, mate. I'm really enjoying it. Um, the inner interior design um, guy got in, or gal got into me. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> <you want. laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, that's what you're doing in the world today. Let's, um, let's go back a little bit into your past here yeah, because it hasn't always been, you know, this this confident guy now running a health network, doing helping other people with their businesses and all that kind of jazz. You have been through a lot of uh, struggles uh, in your time and obviously some shifts that came from that. So do you want to take us back to maybe a particular time where you were really struggling? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I guess um, it's been a bit of a, an ongoing thing, a bit of a journey. Um, there was one specific event I could probably highlight as a low moment, but it probably started a little bit before then. So I guess growing up through uh, primary school and high school, my old man wasn't around. And um, yeah, so we were sort of single mum family and our stepdad in and out of our lives. And yeah, that really took its toll on me. Um, was often in trouble in primary school, was the kid that was a bit of a class clown because mm-hmm. he was trying to get that validation, I guess, at school and trying to make people laugh. and. And all those types of things. So I ended up getting expelled from primary school. So I don't know expelled. how I, I got expelled from primary school. I don't know how you do that, but you must have been pretty bad. Uh, you're the only um, person I know who's been expelled. Yeah, from yeah. So um, and then I went and did homeschooling for a bit, but then the school let me back the one that expelled me because they needed the numbers. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, great, what? great school. Um, and then transitioning into that. <laughs> We, we want you back, mate. <laughs> yeah. All is forgiven. All is forgiven as long as you pay your tuition fees. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's it. Um, and then, yeah, going into high school, a bit of the same, um, you know, into some sort of like uh, unhealthy relationships at a young age and was trying to find that meaning and identity in, I guess, a girlfriend or um, friendships and still playing up at school, making each uh, teacher's uh, existence a nightmare by making everyone else laugh except the teacher's. Um, and yeah, I got expelled from the high school as well. Wow. Yeah, I know. So when I tell this to people, they just can't believe it because they know me now and they're like, I could never picture you getting in trouble at school. Yeah. I thought you would have, <laughs> you know, been one of the, one of the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I love though. This is what I love. We have this, where we see the person and we're like, oh, we know the whole story, but we don't, right? This is, it's surprising to me that you got expelled twice. Yeah, twice. And, um, I went into the only school that would let me in at the time, which was the local, high school, um, Laylor High. And that's where I actually met my now wife, uh, Michelle, who I'm, I'm still with. And High school sweethearts. High school sweethearts. And yeah, she's just been absolutely amazing, uh, the stability in my life and just the belief she's had in me throughout that time. Because I guess you'll hear in my story here that, you know, it's been an ongoing thing. Even after meeting Michelle, my life just didn't turn around just like that. Still had some things to work through. So yeah, I was in, I guess part of the issue for me was there was a lot of pain there was, there was heaps of pain and on the surface, teachers could have thought, you know, what's wrong with this kid? Why, why does he keep playing up? Um, what's the issue here? And they could have seen that surface level stuff, but behind all that was a pain. And I was trying to remedy that pain with going out and, you know, drinking and, and, um, just doing silly things with friends. And I guess it got to one point, I think I would have been 19 or 20. So we're talking first year uni and I managed to still get into uni, do all the things on the surface that looked like I had it all together 
But um, you're talking 19, 20, and I dabbled in a bit of um, sort of drugs and different things like that. You know, it starts with the with the weed, and you know, I was there's a little bit of self destruction, a little bit of identity seeking, and the wrong things with the wrong crowds. But there was one specific uh, night that I recall, which I would probably call a rock bottom moment, Ryan. Mm-hmm. So um, we're out away, and a friend, a few friends had been talking to me about. Um, these hallucinogens called mushrooms Mm -hmm. and um, yeah I hadn't really known too much about them and I thought you know it's that sort of drug where you see all the cool colors and you know just get a bit silly and um, at that stage I was all for trying all these new things and trying to find my identity and um, just doing whatever the friendship group was doing which wasn't always the greatest thing so we get out into I think we went down to the peninsula to a caravan park and everyone's trying uh, these drugs and um, I got to the stage where I didn't really feel anything kicking in. So I just yeah kept kept going. And I think I took triple the dosage yeah, of what you're supposed okay. to take. So it wasn't great. And um, I remember being on the highway just thinking that I'd actually died. Wow. Yeah, okay. so I was tripping tripping out really badly. You're like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Whoa, too much is happening. Yeah, <laughs> too much was happening, man. I thought I'd died and gone to an alternate reality. And yeah. then I was coming up with these ideas that I was actually – you know, a schizophrenic in a, in a mm-hmm. psych ward or something like that. So it went real sort of crazy fast. Yeah. And I actually had to call Michelle because there was a random payphone, luckily, because I was going to throw myself in front of a bus or something because I just wanted this to stop. Because when you take these uh, um, hallucinogens, your whole concept of time can stop as well, mm-hmm. which was really scary for me in that point of time because what I was feeling felt like the whole world right then and there. Yep. We talk about mindfulness as a good thing and it can be, but right then mindfulness wasn't so great. It wasn't working too a, well. It wasn't working too well. I had a hyper awareness of what was going on or what I thought was going on and it was the scary single most terrifying thing in my life and after that um, I actually came home the next day and I because Michelle came and picked me up and got me out of there and I had this at that point straight away this new lease on life in terms of I just I remember this moment where I could feel the wind on me and just taking in that moment like this is so special after what had just sort of happened and mm. that that night of terror that actually felt like it went for 60 years yeah and it was yep. and it was only i guess what was it a couple of hours or something mm-hmm. but it actually felt like an entire entire existence in that time wow. so after that didn't really end there so um even though that next day i felt pretty good i had sort of a delayed effect where all of a sudden for you know the next couple of years i suffered from really bad anxiety and panic to mm-hmm. the point where I would. I was so, I guess, hyper aware of that bad experience that I had that I constantly felt like I guess I was tripping out. Yeah. That okay, I was yep, back yep. in that bad trip, and mm-hmm. so my whole source of anxiety was feeling like I wasn't in control, or that I was losing it, and that I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't even realize at the time, even though I was studying psychology. So all this time while I'm doing all this, I'm actually at uni at Melbourne Uni studying psychology and then eventually going on to do my master's, but that's that's a different part of the story. But um, even though I'm studying the stuff, I'm going through it not knowing what I'm actually experiencing, thinking it, that it was something else. And yeah, it was, it was a dark period of my life. But now that I reflect back, it was actually the most growth I've ever experienced in my life during those two years because I had to take a real hard look at who I was, the person I was becoming before that bad experience. And I realized how selfish I'd really been and how I wasn't really going anywhere and I was in self-destruct mode. Mm-hmm. And it was like I came to that halt when I had that bad experience that 
you know, it must have happened for a reason because it really gave me perspective. I looked at this amazing girl, Michelle, who's my wife now, but it was my girlfriend at the time, who I was pushing away, the one good thing I had in my life. And mm-hmm. I was I was trying to push her away through, you know, just going out and getting tanked every yeah, weekend yeah. and just getting smashed and trying drugs and having no real vision and purpose. I had nothing. I was studying psychology and I was at uni, but that was just because I was doing what everyone else thought I should be doing. It didn't come from an internal place of of uh you know purpose and vision of what i actually wanted to do with my life so i was in self-destruct mode i was selfish and going through that two years of anxiety and panic as scary as as a time as that was and as hard as it was it was the most growing period of my life and where i grew spiritually i guess mentally emotionally had so much more awareness of who i wanted to be in life and because when you're going through anxiety it causes you to go deep within your mind mm. which can be a scary thing and i guess you don't want to stay there for your entire existence but yeah. sometimes we need to go to that place of course and, and it sounds like you needed to go to that place because you we, we look externally externally and try and validate our experience and define who we are with this external stuff and then this kind of event happens which it does sounds horrible like two years of that but it forces you to go, hang on, who who am I? Where am I going? What do I want in my life to change? Um, so in that two-year period, what were maybe, how did you get through that? And what were the, some of the things that you realized about yourself? Yeah, great question, Ryan. So obviously it didn't go away straight away. Um, it was something that was ongoing because there were some things I had to discover. It was a journey. And um, some things that I realized was, uh, the reason that I, what happened happened is because there was a split self. There wasn't a, a, a true identity. I hadn't found myself. And I guess over that two years, I started to realize the Chris, the Christopher James Irving I wanted to be. I started to realize, you know, the boyfriend I wanted to be and the future I wanted to have and also who I wanted to be as a family man career-wise. And a lot of things started to change. Um, I actually quit my master's. Okay. I was studying psychology and, uh, you know, I had interest in the field itself, but... In terms of your career, it's not what I wanted to do. So that was a real turning point for me. I think that came towards the end of that two-year period mm-hmm. when I decided to quit psychology and pursue what it was that I loved, which was actually, I guess, business. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing something grow and to facilitate and to help people reach their potential. And I actually had Zenith going on in the background stage, probably in that after one year period of there. And then I thought, you know, I'm gonna actually quit uni to do what I love full time. And and it felt such a surge of purpose and identity mm. and who I was and what I was meant to be doing. And everyone else thought I was crazy. Chris, mm. why are you quitting, you know, a master's? Everyone thought of you as Chris the psychologist and they had this role for me. And it just wasn't who I wanted to be because I'd done my placements and I, for me, I saw the psych industry and what I was seeing and it wasn't something that I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to help people in a different way. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as I stepped out and did that and went against the status quo and, you know, forged my own path rather than following one that was laid out to me by others, that's when I really started to turn uh, to make a change and, and my headspace started to turn and it was like, it was like a switch. And then also uh, my relationship when I started to take that, I guess, more seriously and saw the beautiful light that I had there that was there all along and supporting me all along instead of trying to self-destruct that Mm. and get rid of the only good thing that was going on for me when I actually accepted that and knew that it's okay to be loved. You know, Mm. you're worthy of that love. Mm -hmm. Um, That was another turning point. So becoming who I was as a person, as a, as a, as a boyfriend and now husband, as a, as a family man, and also um, in career as well. And also spiritually as Mm -hmm. well is something for me I haven't really touched on, but Mm -hmm. um, so I actually, you know, found my faith 
um, during that period of that two years. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not telling everyone what to believe or who to seek, but for me, it was it was found in in the Christian faith, and you know, I gave my heart to God, which was a, a really massive turning point for me, and um, just a spiritually enriching moment. And the faith that that built was huge, and. Um, yeah, that's been a journey in and of itself, something yeah. that I'm learning. And, you know, the church community has been huge for me over in um, Planet Shakers where I go in the city and, and they've been amazing. And and that's something that's, you know, constantly been a source of peace for me as well as obviously my relationship and what I'm building with Zenith, which has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's we'll, we'll get into that in a minute because I want to touch on that. But there's a few things that you just said then that I really want to talk about. Yeah, like yeah, some for really, sure, some really for sure. important so stuff. It's pretty... Yeah. It's, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing turnaround. One of the biggest ones is when you said that you realized there was the light there in Michelle in your life, yep. but you realized that you were worthy of love. Okay, That's unreal. Right, because yeah. that, and to me, it screams out for someone whose dad wasn't around when you were young. That's when this can get indoctrinated because we'll subconsciously take on a belief that I'm not worthy of love. Otherwise, my dad would be around. A lot of people never flip that switch and decide that I'm worthy of love. Did that just happen in a moment, or did you just was that leading up to a moment? How did that happen? Yeah, it actually sort of did happen in a moment. I know other things that I've said has been more sort of a journey type thing and over an extended period, but this. I remember, I can vividly remember, I was actually in the shower and um, actually had the shower with the, the lights off and just a lamp on. And um, I remember the fog creating on the window and this was a real down point in, in sort of my journey. But I remember riding in the fog, you know how the yeah, fog's yeah, up the, and you can yeah. ride on it. I just had this moment where I wrote on the on the mirror there what was important to me and it was like um, I wrote Michelle's name, family and, and God. Mm-hmm. And for me, those three things, it was like, that moment when I when I pictured that and realized that that I was worthy of that, it was like I was solidifying that by writing it down. Yeah, it was just a, yeah. a massive switch for me as well. And I guess during that um, three year period as well, because like you're saying, it could be relating to the father thing. My my old man actually did pass away as well. Okay. So during that three year period, I had to go through those emotions. So from the moment that I had that bad drug trip to I guess. Um, starting Zenith, somewhere in between there. Yeah, my old man did pass away. Okay. So I had to go over there to New Zealand and um, sort of it forced me to sort through those emotions. Mm. And um, yeah, that was a bit of a transition. And then the the writing on the walls thing actually the happened. The writing on the wall. Yeah, writing on the wall. <laughs> sort of happened well, on, uh, on the shower door. Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of Shift happens. It can happen happens. in the shower. <laughs> yeah, in the shower. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. That's amazing, mate. I love that. I love that. Also in that, you mentioned that you obviously left the psych degree. Now, you said before that when you were searching for identity and you didn't have this purpose and this purpose and this vision that you were sort of doing that degree and living that life because that's what you thought other people wanted for you. Then you make this decision that, hey, I'm going to leave that degree and the people in your life are like, what are you doing that for? You're Chris's psychologist. Why are you leaving? How in that moment did your inner voice drown out those outer voices? Why did you still leave and trust yourself more than you were trusting the opinions of others? Yeah, great question, Ryan. Um, I guess through that journey um, following the, you know, the drug trip and everything that was going on after that, in that self-discovery process, I learned that, you know, you don't actually have to go on the path that's laid out for you. I became a questioner, a curious um, mind that, you know, realize that what's more important than, I guess, a figure in the bank or a status of a job is purpose. Mm. Purpose is everything. And mm-hmm. and that's when I made that realization, I guess, personally, I was able to, you know, why aren't I putting this um, in my career, which takes up half your time anyway? Mm-hmm. So I thought, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to leave. This isn't fulfilling my purpose. Mm. So I'm going to do something that is fulfilling that. And so that single-handedly allowed me to make that transition, no matter what the naysayers were saying or the haters who, you know, the naysayers were coming from the right heart. Of course. Um, they're yeah, just coming course. from a fear mentality though, that yeah. a scarcity mindset that, you know, there's only enough for you and that's found in your course and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get your 80 to 100 grand a year. And so it's a limited mindset, limited mm-hmm. belief system that I guess we have to go to school, go to uni, get the degree. And, you know, that's great for some people, but it's not for everyone and it wasn't for me. Yeah, and um, yeah. knowing that um, I had to be purpose-driven, that was what enabled me, I guess, to push through all the naysayers yeah. and the doubt and the voice inside my head that did pop up and say, you know, what are you doing, mate? Are you yeah. are you right in the head? or mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but like you said, all that stuff all comes from the right place from people that comes actually from love and wanting the best for you. But then people can't see uh they can after a while when they watch your actions but at that moment when you know and you have a realization this is my purpose this is my vision people can't see that yes. like they can't just look and go oh no he's all right he's he's on purpose because <laughs> i had the same thing when i'm like yeah and no, i'm opening up a rehab they're like dude you've been clean for six months you can't open a rehab i'm like okay i'm like i love you i get it. i get what if i was if i was that person i'd call me crazy as well but there's like uh a calm, effortless action that comes, I think, from that purpose. And you can sort of say, thank you, but this is what I have to do. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you there um, in terms of the people coming from, I guess, uh, a place of love and, I guess, wanting the best for you. Mm-hmm. But you've got to sort of just push through that and, and go with what's in your heart. Yeah, yeah, it's listening to that heart, isn't it? Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. And so, not the head because the head will make up all sorts of excuses. Yeah, I, I can even recall back, I was just away on a trip to Byron, love Byron, everyone should get down there if they haven't been. Um, just got voted the most, what is it, the most relaxing beach holiday in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah, so I haven't been. Check it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were away with some friends and um, a really good friend of mine, I'd say probably one of my, my best guy mates, actually said to me, opened up to me, we're on the deck and um, lucky I didn't say that with a New Zealand accent. The duck. <laughs> That's a, seen, it's a different word. Sorry, it's to digress. <laughs> I just had a flashback. Do you remember seeing that ad, the New Zealand ad yeah. about oiling your deck? Yeah. Your duck. Your duck. Yeah. <laughs> my so. neighbours come around and watch me oil my duck. <laughs> I'm going to post that in the YouTube thing in the show notes. Do it. Anyway. No, no, that's that's what I was referring to. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, yeah, so we're out on the deck and um, <laughs> New Zealand's got two references today because, uh, yeah, anyway, we're out on the, on the deck and... Um, yeah, he was telling me, you know, Chris, you know, when you first started all this and left your psychology degree, mate, I thought you were just crazy. Mm-hmm. And I, even this is one of my best mates. He's actually, I, he didn't say anything. He wasn't one of the naysayers that said, oh, I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But he actually came out to me a few years later and he said, I remember a moment just a few months ago where I was like, shit, he's actually done it. He's doing it. Like yeah. he didn't think I was crazy anymore. So I had to push through those, you know, couple of years of, you know, optimism and just, uh, I guess following my obsessions and mm-hmm. my loves and my purpose, and for so long people just think, oh yeah, you know what I mean. That is, he's not going to do anything with that. And when they're doing that, they're just projecting their own, I guess, uh, disbelief in their their own ability to do something like that. Yeah, of course. So, mm-hmm. um, what that is now is that, yeah, I guess that in that moment I realized, wow, like it, it's happening, and through all that resilience and that grit 
and persevering for something you love, you can make it happen. And, and we're making it happen with the Zenith Network and mm. I guess other things that are going on right now, which is really cool. So That's I'd so encourage cool. anyone else who I guess has dreams or wanting to fulfill their purpose that you can do it. It's, it's definitely not beyond your reach. And um, it, it comes with, I guess, challenging limiting belief systems and, and really following that inner drive. And um, if you're scared about in terms of money or anything like that, I can guarantee you through uh, fulfilling your purpose and, and going along with that, that, uh, that you'll probably make more money than you'd ever make, you know, just sitting behind a desk job anyway. So Yeah, of course, plus that fulfillment, right? Yeah, which is the main thing. Yeah, but you, it you, comes as a byproduct, the money in the end, and it'll be beyond what you thought you would have been able to do. Yeah, it's like you said, it happens as a byproduct, not as the as end the, in yeah, mind. Totally. Um, I was about to bring up limiting beliefs. You just mentioned it. So yeah, we're we can go mind. more into it. Yeah, let's do it. Because right now, I think when people think about, I'm going to make a big change in my life. I want to follow my passion. Hey, I want to dig myself out of this hole of depression or anxiety. Or they, they make a decision that they want something to change. That's when the voice in their head creeps up that goes, you can't do that. You're not worthy of doing that. Who do you think you are? You know, how, how have you in your journey best got on top of and addressed those limiting beliefs? I guess, Ryan, the first step is just having an awareness, an awareness of those narratives and the way they operate and a belief in your ability to change those narratives. So I guess through my time in psychology, I didn't agree with everything that was taught, but one of my favorite things to learn about was a thing called narrative therapy, mm -hmm. which sort of ties in with limiting belief systems. So it's this idea that you know we have this circuit set of thoughts which play on loop and that we give power to those by, I guess, following through with them and enforcing them by letting them play out in our mind. Mm -hmm. But if we challenge those limiting belief systems and those narratives and say, hey, actually, I don't want that to be my narrative. Here's the new narrative. And you do it over and over again through repetition. That becomes the new thought loop. And okay. then that creates a new reality in your existence. So the first thing and the first advice I'd have to people is have an awareness of the thought processes that are actually going on and also knowing how to redirect and shift. Shift mm -hmm. happens, right? Shift happens. Um, redirecting, Variety. you know, those thought processes and knowing that there's another way because, um, you know, in terms of, I guess, a, a quote that could relate to that is um, what we focus on, we magnify and what we magnify becomes our reality. Mm. And I'm also all for sitting with emotions and letting them pass through and the whole acceptance thing, which is a big part of, I guess, the therapeutic process. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, uh, I can see it and I see it in people who have gone through therapy sometimes. It actually becomes their identity. It becomes their story and they actually haven't gone into the next part of the story, which is, you know, what's my future now? What's my purpose now? And what's my new narrative? They're still in the narrative of I was the person with this. Yeah, and that's still, yeah. it's still their story. And that story is powerful, but you also want to say, what am I doing now? Where Be looking forward rather than always being attached to what happened in the past. Otherwise, you're it, stuck in the past. You're stuck in it. It's like, yeah. it's like quicksand. It's like mud. Mm -hmm. So if I was to always only ever think about, you know, that bad trip I had on the drugs or my, my stepdad never being around. Yes, you address that. Yes, mm -hmm. you allow yourself to feel that and process that and forgive those people and do everything you need to do. But then the next phase is also just as important. Yes. And that's creating the new narrative. Yep. And that's challenging limiting belief systems that were set early on in that life. Okay, so that, that's amazing, amazing info. Let's put this into practice. So first steps acknowledging, like you said, how do we best acknowledge that? Is there one that has come up for you before? Is that just by paying attention to the 
thoughts that keep continuing in our mind. Yeah, definitely. And the, the patterns you keep seeing in your, li- in your life and uh, you can take a step back and even look. It, it starts with the little things as well. It can be even daily routines such as the way you get up in the morning and the first things you think to your attitudes about going to the gym or the way you talk about others. You mm. know, if you're someone who's always berating others or belittling others, or why, where's that coming from? Why is yeah. that happening? Um, or if you're making excuses and not going to the gym or, you know, you're delaying your morning routine and snooze buttons keep, keeps on going off. What are the thought systems that are yeah. going on there? What are the patterns? So let's say i'm scrolling facebook right yeah and um i've got this friend that i don't really see much but i'm friends on facebook and every time i scroll past a post i'm like oh this cockhead <laughs> so is that a moment meant catching myself in that moment is that the kind of thing i would do to put in practice yeah definitely so okay. i would stop myself and say you know why am i seeing this guy as a cockhead does he actually have something that i want that i'm not doing does he actually have a cock on his head <laughs> <laughs> does he have a dick does he have a duck on his hood uh, but um yeah, it's it's really. So what do I ask myself then? Just repeat that. Sorry. So I I just say why am I, I seeing him that way? Yeah, yeah. And what is what's that saying about my own life and where I want to yeah. be? Is that is that is does he actually have something I want in my life? And mm-hmm. I'm getting frustrated that I don't have that. Yes. So, but it all comes to I guess a way we approach life and a mindset we have. If I used to, I, I like to use this word a lot, and it's the idea that a lot of people are simply existing rather than truly living. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was even the slogan for Zenith for a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that a lot of people are in autopilot, which is made easier by the amount of mass technology we have. And we're always on screens and different things like that, which can be a good thing in terms of having the technology. But when it's numbing us to having an awareness of who we are and I guess mm. the thought processes that are going on, we can start to get in autopilot. And when we're in autopilot, we can't have an awareness of what's going on for us and we can't facilitate change in our lives. No, we're not so, conscious, are we? No, we're not we're conscious. Just that, we're just acting from subconscious programs and just, like you said, existing, just doing the same thing the same way every day. Totally. So say so say I've, I've realized, I'm like, all right, this guy who I keep calling a cockhead, he's actually doing something that I kind of want to do in a different way in my life. So then how can I start to then redirect and change the narrative around that? Specifically to the cockhead? Or? Yeah, let's, let's stay with the cockhead. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I would be um, asking myself these questions and challenging myself to go out and do those things that maybe I'm being held back through fear or through... um, I feel like rejection is a big one. People don't put themselves out there because they don't want to feel rejection. Oh, big time. Um, So I've seen that even with... um, I offer anxiety coaching as well now, having gone through it myself. Mm -hmm. And something I'm seeing a lot with people is this uh, fear of rejection and fear of not being good enough. And obviously, like you said, I might have had that going on in my own life and having to break through that was a big thing for me mm-hmm. and it's a it's a big thing personally it's a big thing in business um, whatever you're doing breaking through I guess that limiting belief system of I'm not going to be good enough is one way to just move forward and another one I would say as well is just saying yes I actually did a post yesterday for this being a yes man mm-hmm. I know there's that movie with Jim Carrey and it's a bit of a comedy about um, saying yes and but you can see the amount of opportunities it starts to open up in his life and then he ends up meeting the love of his life and is it's so real to in terms of I guess our everyday life a lot of the time we put a cap on things that we're able to do or our abilities or even our vision and, and our goals they're, they're not ambitious they're they're preordained and predestined by society and whatever else is doing and mm. we just want to fit into this neat cardboard cutout of okay so I just do this then I get the get the house or whatever mm-hmm. and I, I get the 70k income and mm-hmm. i do this job for this many hours and but is that what you want to do you know you got to step back and ask yourself a lot of people are unhappy and they don't know why they're unhappy and mm. it's because they're on autopilot yeah yeah it's it's so common yeah i've 
I've, I've got the job. I'm earning 70K a year. I've got the house. I've got the mortgage. I've got the wife. I've got... And then we start beating ourselves up because we're not happy because when we start going, I should be happy, I should be happy, I should be happy. Then we're drinking too much. Then we're going and playing pokies. Then we're not present at home. Then we have an affair. Like it, just, it all stems from that, doesn't it? 100% Ryan and um, you know I'm not just talking this and not preaching it in my own life I guess my, my wife Michelle was um, starting to become very unhappy in her teaching job mm-hmm. and um, you know she'd studied that for years at uni and she was really good at what she did as well she became leading teacher after the first year and everyone would compliment her on you know you're doing an amazing job and um, you know there was that steady income and I guess I was just starting to build a business and the money wasn't as free-flowing at that stage as it is now but I guess yeah she had to make that decision, do I want to stick with this? And I encouraged her not to listen to everyone else around her and Mm -hmm. say she had this burning passion and this desire to pursue physio, which existed from back when we were at high school, I remember, but she didn't get the score to get in. But because of the teaching degree that she did, the subject lined up with being able to apply for the doctorate at Melbourne for physio. And I said, do it. I don't care if you have to take three years off and, and not be able to, I guess, bring in immediate income. I want you chasing your passion, chasing mm. your purpose. And even in the three years while she was being a teacher, she'd always talk about uh, injury, injury rehab, mechanics, biomechanics. She just loved it. I could see a light up when she yeah, talked about it. Yeah, yeah. So I said, the person I want to be around um, for the next couple of years is not the person who's, I guess, depressed in their teaching job, but still bringing in the, I think it was 70K actually, yeah. <laughs> talking about that number. Um, but the person who's fueled and energized by what they're doing, I want to be around that person. Of course. And I want yeah. my wife to be happy. Yep. So we're taking a hit financially with that over the next couple of years, but I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm G'd up for it because she's yeah. living in her purpose. So I don't just talk about it. I get people in my immediate surrounding to live it. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. It's so right. We just get stuck in the routine. I mean, I was a bloody tradesman for 11 years. Uh, at the same job in the same company. I didn't even like it. Like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I didn't even like it. And then you bloody, um, you know, you just you get your paycheck every week and you got to pay this mortgage and do all this stuff. And meanwhile, that part of you that does light up, the part of you that wants to create and do all this other stuff, it just gets pushed down deeper and deeper. Because I think we're all meant to create in some sort of way, whether that's, you know, painting or audio or um you know fishing or something we're meant to we're meant to do this stuff that makes our heart sing um but we push it away push it away and the more we push it away then we start to have these destructive behaviors show up and that was definitely the case for me like it's just you know waking up in the morning going okay put me fucking socks and shoes on another day at work that's that that autopilot again yeah it's autopilot yeah Yeah. full like i was on full autopilot for a very very long time so um that's very interesting yeah i think it's so cool to be able to say to her look don't worry about the fucking money you gotta follow what makes you light up and you can i speak to people all the time and you watch they're like they talk about these things like it's a little part of their life and whether it is fishing or it's fucking knitting or whatever it is you can tell when someone should be doing it full time because they start talking and they start st- sitting up straight. Their voice is a bit louder. They, you can see it in their eyes. Their physiology literally changes as they talk about this thing that they do 2% of the time when they should be doing it 50% of the time. Yeah, love it. And we live in a time now where there's so much opportunity to make what you love and what you enjoy actually a job with yeah. the technology that we have at our disposal. The industrial age is over. We can, With the internet and everything we can do, pretty much whatever our passion is and we can find an audience that love that passion and we can make a business out of it yeah and when you when you are passionate about something you will be committed to becoming excellent at it Mm. so you won't just be i guess some guy that's you know trying to be a fake fakepreneur what are are they calling it like entrepreneur yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, when they're just faking it though. Oh, faking it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just made up a word there. But um, when when you do have, you don't have to be scared of putting yourself out there and being seen as a phony because if you have the passion there, you will put in the effort. Just mm. make sure the passion's there first because some people, um, I guess, with the age we live in and the ability to make a quick buck are becoming a bit opportunistic and they're saying, oh, okay, look at that. There's a way I can start making money. People are making money there. That mm. isn't going to sustain itself. But if you're doing something out of passion, you will kill it. I can guarantee you. Uh, it might take a little bit of time, but if you're patient with it and you're following purpose, you will kill it. So not Bitcoin? <laughs> did you watch the JP Sears video on Bitcoin? Yeah, I yeah, did. I think, okay. yeah. Mel tagged me or she put it on my... That guy's great, he's isn't He's fantastic, oh, isn't he's, he? I love it. I'd like to actually see the real JP Sears, like just an actual conversation with him, see I've, how sarcastic he is in real yeah, life. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of podcasts where he's been a guest um, and... Yeah, it was really interesting. One of them, he was just full in character the entire time. It was actually a fucking hilarious <laughs> um, podcast. Um, the other one, he was more himself, uh, and it was yeah, more quite interesting. Yeah, about uh, yeah, so he's just he's a normal dude, but he just sort of that's yeah. he found his thing. You know, he loves poking fun at stuff in that way, whatever that comedy is called, and it just works really, really well. Yeah, he's he's actually you can tell through the subliminal messages that are coming out though that he's actually pretty intelligent. Like oh, some things that he's bringing up, uh, and it is actually in line with some of the stuff we're talking about. Even if people don't realize, it's challenging the you know the belief systems of the status quo of society and the way you should live your life through his sarcastic humor. He's addressing a lot of these ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's raising awareness yeah, about these is, things. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I'll even. I'll watch ep- uh, videos of his on stuff that I I love and I'm real passionate about, and I'll, I'll he'll poke shit at it, and I can <laughs> I can feel it stabbing me, and I'm like, oh, he's so right, it's such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though; it helps you not take yourself too seriously as well. And that's so important. Yeah, you gotta have a laugh. Like God, that's one of the probably the one of the biggest things I've done this year is just laugh at myself most days at how ridiculous I get, like how serious we get about stuff, how stressed we get over certain things and just be able to stop and laugh at ourselves and go, what is this bloody evolved monkey fucking <laughs> so worried about, you know, yeah. like, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Let's um, let's go back and talk a bit more about your spirituality because I want to dive into this a little bit. Cause, it's a uh, good segue from the monkey comments. Absolutely. So. <laughs> <laughs> from evolved monkeys to spirituality. Um, so how did you get into the church? When did you first sort of get involved and start heading along yeah yeah so and was it a friend or who got you involved cool um so i guess uh, my mum was always of the faith growing up mm-hmm. so she was always in the church and i used to attend um when i was young yeah. and then obviously with stuff happening uh, with my dad not being around and also my stepdad um he wasn't of the faith and um i guess yeah seeing those the that sort of stuff going on in my life i guess that sort of turned me away from the church even though mum was just a great solid rock figure in my life too really st- stable and um was always there for me and was an inspiration and but at that time i just thought you know if you know things aren't right in my life and things are broken in my life how can this god be real mm-hmm. so i sort of went away from it from a bit because i was seeing it through that lens and that angle and meanwhile you know I guess mum was always praying for me she was a prayer warrior so to speak and yeah. um be, had massive faith and massive hope um which really sustain our family like i look at our family now and yeah we don't have it all together but everyone's just come so far 
And um, it's really cool to see in terms of her just keeping that faith in who we're going to be becoming and professing that, like always saying you're going to be like something great here. And just even when I couldn't see that, Mm -hmm. I guess I talked about Michelle as the light, my wife, but there was also uh, my mum in the background as well. So to answer your question, I guess, yeah, I went away from it. And then after I had the bad drug experience, um, you know, I was trying to figure out everything through my own psychology and through my understanding of that. Um, But yeah, nothing was really working and the anxiety was getting pretty bad and to the point where I was, I just can't really deal with this anymore. So actually, you know, let mum pray for me after all those years of, you know, I was a professed atheist for a while as well during my uni years. So it was far away from all that. And people will say, you know, maybe it's a placebo effect type thing because, you know, if you're going to believe in something, then, you know, something's going to come to pass. But I guess when she prayed for me, I was expecting nothing. Um, I wasn't really expecting it to work because uh, I wasn't really believing in it. But so she prayed for me um, and straight away I felt this peace flood my body from, you know, the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. Mm-hmm. Um, this peace just overcome me and it was a beautiful thing and I just started crying. Yeah. I was just crying for for um, hours okay. uh, after that. And then from there, I guess I gave church another go. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did that story come about? So how did you know she was praying for you she told you or she was literally no, no, there yeah she prayed with me with you? End, yeah, yeah okay, just gotcha. at home because she could see what was going on with me like it was yeah you know i wasn't the same person anymore mm-hmm. like i was normally a really outgoing person and just totally withdrew while i was going through the anxiety right. and um always sort of looked scared like i was genuinely scared of everything from like even a tree would scare me yeah like, it was just yeah. like yeah not good your whole world's yeah everything was fear yeah it? it was like just being uh, selective of the stimuli in my environment which was fear related you know, I'd only see that. And it was that quote before, what we focus on, we magnify, and what we magnify becomes our reality, mm-hmm. which was what was happening with anxiety. I could only scan for anxious sort of thoughts. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, yeah, she she prayed for me. And, um, yeah, then from there I got plugged in with church and straight away being in that environment as well, um, it was just I felt that peace again. And by no means was, you know, my anxiety just healed automatically. It was still a journey for me and I still had panic attacks, you know, after that. Um, but it was something that uh, really was part of that development and that journey of understanding myself. And um, I can remember being mid-panic attack and just praying and then the peace coming over me again. Wow. Like we yeah. talk about mindfulness, all these different techniques and great things to utilize and can also work. And, you know, there's the five finger technique and a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. But for me, all I have to get, all I have to do is actually get down on my knees and I pray. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing like specific or like shame filled or it's nothing to do with, oh, I'm not good enough or it's thank you that you love me, God. Yeah. And then yeah. straight away, bang. Like, yeah. yeah. Nice. So I guess it's yeah a different view of, of, uh, of God and spirituality than some people have because I guess we talk about limiting belief systems and people's ways of understanding the world without really looking into it. And I guess one way that that could hold true is also to do with with faith and different faiths and not under, fully understanding each of them. So mm-hmm. I'd encourage people to, to go out and look into, even if it's not Christianity, other faiths and not just have an idea about what it is, but actually go in there and see it for yourself rather than having an external view of what it's all about. Because, you know, the faith thing could be part of your journey and it might be a thing that's missing that needs to be fulfilled. So, yeah. yeah. I think we all have faith in something. Yeah, that's you know? it. Yeah, it just totally. depends where we want to direct that faith because yeah. yeah. I think faith's going to override fear yeah. in a lot of occasions. Two contrasting things. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, sure. absolutely. You can either be in faith or fear, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, we all take faith in certain things and We've got to find that thing yeah. that's going to best serve us. And totally. I mean, it makes so much sense if you've got this 
crazy anxiety going on and then you go along and then all of a sudden you feel this peace. Mm. It's like, yeah. of course you're going to go you're back. A, yeah. Of course you're going to you know, have yeah, faith totally. in that. Faith-filled atmosphere as well, which is the opposite of the existence you're having in your own mind. And, yeah. Um, then it slowly creates a new reality, I guess. And through that, I was able to start to have faith in myself as well. Yeah. Um, and then also with Michelle there along the journey um, with me. Mm. And um, yeah, it was just, it's an amazing thing. And life... I just feel like I can do anything now. Yeah, it's it's given wow. me an unstoppable mindset, and I want to help other people achieve that mindset too. I don't want to just keep it to myself. So a lot of what I do and what I do with Zenith as well is we do business coaching and life coaching type mm-hmm. stuff, and we help um, our different health professionals reach this level of awareness where they're you know questioning the nine to five job and helping them understand that they can make a difference through doing some huge and special things um, in the community as well. So yeah, which is when all the fears come up. Yeah, we see a lot of that even in the. Business business coaching you know we start saying hey we've got an opportunity for you to speak in front of you know 100 people it's a it's a corporate environment and straight away people be like what 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 am i doing and um yeah but then we get to work through that with them which is really fun and exciting and to see the growth there you know you talked about people propping up and their physiology changing when they're doing something they love for me being in my element is the business coaching and the life Mm -hmm. coaching type stuff where we're able to transition people to fully recognizing their purpose but then being able to get through all the stuff they need to get through and then living out their purpose. Mm-hmm. It's just so rewarding, Ryan. And yeah. it's what I love to do. And it's it's similar to maybe what psychologists do, but in a different environment. Um, yeah, well, it's, and, you're, you're yeah. taking something and someone and you're best facilitating that thing growing into the best version that it can be. Yeah, and on psychology, I guess why I sort of left that to more this business coaching type stuff and running a health network was... I was obsessed and with the idea of, you know, not only getting people to baseline, which I, I call, if you put it on a spectrum, you know, because we're all on some level of, of, you know, this minus 10 to plus 10, if you want to look at it just for an example. But I was keen with not just getting people to okay, to just existing and overcoming their, you know, anxiety or their addiction, but then getting them to that plus 10 level yeah. um, and really living out this new life. Yeah, you've overcome, you know, the old habits and different things like that, but now let's get excited because there's so much ahead. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's why I sort of transitioned because I felt like at that time, psychology was only identifying and acknowledging, okay, this person's got this. How can we just fix the problem? Fix yeah, the issue? it's like so, in, in inverted commas, how can we get them back to normal? Yeah, normal. Right? And what is normal, what right? What the fuck yeah. is normal? Yeah, and so. that's, yeah, no, I've the, we have the exact same philosophy here. Like um, we talk about it a lot. We want to see people free of their addiction and mental illness, not to a point where they're just coping and our live events are called just coping, yep. um, but go to a, a place that they've never been before in their lives. Because people come come in here and it's a real common thing and I get it. And they could be crying, go, I just want to go back to the old me. And I'm like, fuck the old you. Like the old you's led you to this point now. Let's go to a whole new state of being that you never thought was possible before. Because that's an expectation when it comes to a lot of the depression, anxiety, addiction, bipolar, all this jazz. It's like we want to try and get someone just back to a baseline. It's like, no. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I've had clients in my um, anxiety coaching as well where I've they've always said, oh, I was just this person before. And they, and they get obsessed with that person they were. Yes. But we want to be obsessed with the evolved version of who they're going to be. Mm. And that's what I tell them. And when I get them to the point where they can realize, 
you know, this anxiety process is part of your evolution. It's actually a positive thing that it's happening. They're mm. like, what? Oh, okay. And then they don't have what we call a secondary emotional attachment to what they're experiencing. So mm. that actually quietens a lot of the resistance and that sort of anxiety. So they can see it as a journey and actually start to view it as a positive thing. Yeah, and it's, then, it's a real reframe on the experience. Yeah, and then it accelerates the journey, so to speak, because you're still on a journey. But if you can get to that point quicker where you realize not to judge your emotional experience and actually see value in it and yeah. see what is it trying to teach me right now, it can really increase the rate at which your learning will occur rather than you sort of going around in, in sort of a loop type yep. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I love that, you know, you guys at Melbourne Center of Healing are able to help people recognize that. And you've got that same approach in, Absolutely. Um, you know, mental health and addiction and yeah, that's why we've got you guys on board. We're, we're either, yeah, I think we're either spiraling up or spiraling down. That's you know, it. It's, we're, it's always growth or destruction. It's yep. one of the two. Like we can talk about people and business and all that kind of thing or you can have a plant. I'm either watering the plant, giving it sunlight and it's growing or I'm neglecting it and watching it die, you know. And I think it's things like anxiety as well, like even little things like when we go into a we're about to go out to a social gathering or something and all this anxiety comes up and we start to you know, go into that fight or flight mode and the, the hormones start changing in our body, we're releasing adrenaline and cortisol and what happens, we resist that and we're like, damn, this is happening again, this fucking anxiety, I want to stop, stop, stop. That just feeds it more and we're in that downward spiral. Yeah. As soon as you can start to shift that, go, hang on, my body's actually trying to help me. My body thinks there's some kind of threat coming up here. It's trying to actually prepare me to handle that threat. My physiology is trying to help me in this situation. I can say thank you to my body. Thank you for helping me with this situation. There's no real threat here, but I want to thank you. And you'd be surprised how much then the anxiety will start to go away because you're not resisting anymore. Yeah, they say, they have a saying, what resists persists. So um, yeah, in that, and that's what I was doing a lot at the start because I was so scared of, you know, that negative experience that I'd had on the drugs that Mm. anything that mirrored the feeling that I'd experienced there, I just wanted to escape. Yes. So it was the same thing there, resistance. But when I learned and had the awareness that, you know, actually if you just allow that to pass through, it'll actually go. And Mm. um, we have a saying that we use um, where we put our our hand on our stomach and behind the back of our head Mm -hmm. and I I get my clients to say, um, I accept and allow this anxious feeling. I accept and allow this anxious anxious feeling. And um, uh, they just freak out at how quickly it passes through rather than lasting for hours. Yeah. So it's like they're not giving any power to it through trying to just resist it and escape because then yeah. that just makes it yeah, so much. Up. It's <laughs> such a, it's so, <clears throat> it's so foreign though to not resist when you're so used to it. Like I know with my uh, Crohn's disease. So when it was really, I was struggling with that a lot and I would resist that fucking thing for years because it was horrible. It's a horrible disease. But as soon as I'd start to feel a flare up coming on, it's like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. And that just creates more of it. <laughs> and um, it wasn't until I, one night, I can't remember why I even did it, but one night I sat down at my computer and I wrote down all the benefits of Crohn's disease, like what it's done for me over the years. Yeah. And it was sort of from that moment that it started to calm down a lot because I, I saw it as this, it went from an enemy to, I'm like, oh, this is an ally. This is part of my growth and part of my journey. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it started going away and I'm like, fucking hell, I've done like 25 different diets. I've got blood sent off to Germany. I've done all this weird shit, been to hospital a few times. All I had to do was thank it and not yeah. resist it. The power of psychology, right? It's crazy, man. Yeah. Like that's that's That experience going through that was how I realized that the body and mind, it's all the one thing. It's not like how we spoke at the start because I used to be of the opinion, you know, classic Western model, yep, body, mind separate, blah, blah, blah. 
then I did all this stuff with my diet for my Crohn's disease and got it to a point where it was maybe 60% better, you know, but it was still there. And I was having flare-ups and it was it was purely psychological. Like it was nothing to do with what I was eating. Like I'll be fine. I've eaten all the foods that I know is fine. Then I would walk into a room where I'd had a flare-up once before and as soon as I walked into that room, bang, flare-up. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, it's my mind. <laughs> In- environmental cues, man. And it's all about having that self-compassion around mm. what it is you're experiencing. And if you get more compassionate, it'll yeah allow that thing to pass through. A lot allow easier. space for it to allow pass space. through. Yeah, totally. And I remember even myself when I was just at the start, I would resist talking about that experience um, on the mushrooms. And even the word mushrooms just gave me like anxiety mm-hmm. hearing that word, mm-hmm. like even seeing like normal mushrooms on like yeah. a brunch dish with a smashed avo. It was like, what is that? Trigger. <laughs> yeah, so I would resist talking about it at the start, which would actually give it power. Yes. But then when I got to the point where I am now, where, you know, I will talk about it because I know it's actually beneficial for transitioning through that experience and I don't give power to it anymore. It's like it's under my feet. You know? Yeah, otherwise it's, it's like lurking in the corner of yeah. the room and it's this dark like scary this abstract, thing and like yeah, yeah yeah totally then you talk about it and you're like oh i just talk about it it's fine yeah, it's a mushroom <laughs> you can enjoy your smashed up yeah. mushroom now and i actually had it yeah i had a, a, a pizza last night with um what was it salami and uh porcini mushrooms oh, so, so i'm all about the mushrooms last now. time just, just started just grumbling non-hallucinogenic yeah <laughs> <laughs> i um <laughs> I heard I was into a podcast this morning and it was it was I was laughing. I encourage people to look it up. I'll put a link in the show notes, but it was saying it was a theory about how Christmas started, like with Santa, and yep. it's to do with Amamascario mushrooms. Yeah. Um anyway, I'll put it in there. But it's like the <laughs> So apparently this is a theory, obviously I just heard it today, but it's quite interesting. From this mushroom expert, he was talking about it. But the Amamascaro, I don't know if I'm saying that right, mushroom, it is like a hallucinogenic. It's actually poisonous, but not lethal. But it's the one that's red with the white dots on it. And that Santa, like thousands of years ago, he wasn't just one dude. He was actually, they were the local shamans. They would be called Santa. And so they, they just went from generation to generation and these mushrooms grew under the tree, right? Christmas tree. And that was the gifts, right? <laughs> I can see you smiling here. And what they'd have to do, they would have to dry these uh, mushrooms. So they would like, put them in their like socks and that and then wrap them around the tree because that's how the drying process, that's like the Christmas stockings as well. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just like I'm just trying to process that. That's a lot to take in. Um, I'll put a link to it. I can't remember the rest of the story, but get it your was children really, believe in that Christmas story. It was really interesting. <laughs> like I just love these stories about how things could have started and how yeah. people make those links. So that's a mushroom expert. That's his job title. Uh, yeah, he's the dude. It's a story that's been around for a while, but the guy who was saying it. He Aldous is the CEO title. of the company Four Sigmatic, who make the mushroom coffee elixirs. They okay. have all these different. Yeah, he's a thirteenth generation Shaman. Finland mushroom farmer. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't tried their products. I've been meaning to try, but they do like um, really bioavailable, like chaga, cordyceps mushrooms, lion's mane. Um, with a small amount of coffee as well. So you'd have it instead of your coffee in the morning because a lot of those, the yeah, the cordyceps, the lion's mane and the chaga mushrooms have been shown really effective for cognitive yep. ability. Yep. Um, and they're not hallucinogenic at all. No. They're, <laughs> they're, good type. they're good type. I guess on that as well in terms of um, just if we digress one step, is that whole thing of resisting um, and actually facing your fears and sitting with them. So I eventually went back to the exact point in uh on the highway where i had my trip 
yep. with a negative trip, which is something that I avoided for quite some time. So mm. I actually went right back there where I thought I'd lived for 60 years or whatever mm-hmm. and was able to face that. And I stood there and walked through exactly the steps that I took and that was just such a enriching experience. And I think in the same way, you guys probably go back to those sort of places with people that don't want to go there, so to mm. speak. They don't want to face those fears, but then through doing so, they're able to have a lot of healing. Of course, because uh, like you said before, it's you avoid that stuff. It just gives it more and more power and everything. And, um, you know, pe- people talk if it comes to uh, drugs or that kind of thing and people, I don't know, it's not to pick on NA and AA again, but it's like avoiding this shit forever and trying to put it out of your life and I can't hang around anyone or if it's anywhere. It's like, do I want to go around in my life avoiding certain situations, certain people, and just trying to concentrate on blocking everything out? Because the more I do that, the bigger these things get. And they give them more power as opposed to just approaching them head on. You yeah. know, because the more we, it's so important to do those with the fears. I nearly, I think it was 2016, I nearly um, <laughs> drowned in a body of water. Uh, but I got in a bloody float tank, you know, two days later because I'm like, I'm not going to get scared of water now. Like, you got you got to get back in there, get back on the horse, so to speak. Yeah, that's awesome. And we're actually on this uh, Deliberately Better thing where the initiative for Zenith next year, we actually, one of the months is facing your fears. So mm-hmm. every every uh, day, myself and Damon are going to do something that would normally be fear-provoking, whether it's, you know, bungee jumping if it's scared of heights or letting a snake come around your shoulders, getting, you know, eating a, a spider or something. It's just anything that oh, is Jesus. fear-provoking. Yeah, it's gonna, yeah. We're going to get Ryan in on, on one of these things and get him to take a gym selfie. That can be his day. That can be um, my day. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do anything if as long as it's got nothing to do with spiders. Well, you got to do it then. That's I'm, the like, I know, like I... I would love to try and it's it's a deeply ingrained fear with me, and I would love to overcome it one day. Like, can we can we get you on as doing this? No, nah, do I, I don't. I really don't. I'll do it. I'll do it with you though. <laughs> I really shouldn't have brought this up. No, this can you got to do it. You've got um yeah. the whole month. It's like Fear Factor. Remember that old show? But it's like yeah, yeah, we're yeah. doing that for a month on this deliberately better thing because we. I feel like as you start to get into the mentality of facing fears in different things, it becomes your default mode. And we talk about about autopilot and you know subconscious um, habits that are ingrained, but they can actually be positive things if they're directed in the right way. So if those pro- if that programming and those subconscious habits are things like, okay, I'm always going to face my fears. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm always gonna, um, you know, challenge my thinking or be open-minded. That if that's your default mode, imagine how much you can stretch yourself. And so those those autopilots and those uh, default programming can be a good thing, but for a lot of people, uh, they're they're limiting things. Of do, you, course. do you sort of get what I'm saying? I, yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Because yeah. when we give into the fears, we, all of a sudden our world becomes very narrow. It's like we have blinkers on and we're just heading in a straight line and. Yeah, I, I just try myself to whatever I'm scared of, I act before I uh, can think, before the excuses come in. Yep. And that's becoming when, a new default mode. It's a new default, yep. but I draw the line at spiders. I can't. <laughs> like, dude, if I, I see them on TV and I have to turn the TV off. All right, we can just do the gym selfie one then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I watched, like, you know, there'll be a clip on that, you know, celebrity get me out of here show and someone has, like, a tarantula in their hand. And I'm like, I'll have to do it before I die. But every inch of my being, every cell of my body does not want to do that. If I'm getting freaked out already talking about it. <laughs> So this does that mean you're gonna do it? Yeah, let, yeah. What month is it? It's uh, in one of the later months. So you got some time to prep. All right, I'll do it. I'll, I'll state. And we'll let you choose from one of three scary-looking but non-poisonous spiders. All right. So you All can right. choose out of the three. Okay, Daddy Longlegs. Ah, uh, that is the most poisonous. <laughs> That's right. They can't bite. If they can't pierce yeah. the skin. I never knew. Like I used to see them all around the house, and I never knew that. 
But now that I do know that, I actually think about it when one's near. I'm like, what? If, this is the fear. The fear guy on your left shoulder too. What if there's this new? They've they've evolved. They've and gotten slightly bigger. They can pierce. Yeah. Then I am screwed. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, but they do a really good job because they kill all the other spiders in your house. So don't yeah, kill right. the daddy long legs. Yeah, no, that's why I'll I'll generally leave them because someone told me that like yeah, it means there won't be any other spiders. I'm like, all right, I'm willing to, <laughs> I'm willing to take that. I can see um Ryan getting a bit shaky all this talk of spiders. I, I'm so getting fidgety maybe, like. Yeah, you start like you watch, I will, um, you know, say I'm flipping through a magazine or even the newspaper or something, and if I flip open and there's a big picture of a spot, like I'll pe- ask Mel. People have seen me. I'll jump out of the chair and just shut the book straight away. Like I can't even see a picture of them. Wow, it's like the JP Sears video when he says he's done this video on how vegans react to bacon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes and puts slabs of bacon and then just sees their reaction. <laughs> but That's me. Yeah, that's you with spiders. So. <laughs> Don't mention bacon around vegan friends, all right? That's a heads up. Or spiders around okay. me. <laughs> or spiders around you. No, uh, it's, it's great. All right, let's jump into the question round, mate. Oh, question round. Let's Rapid do it. Rapid fire question Rapid round, fire. mate. Um, this time's gone so fast. It's been over an hour already. Well, you might have to edit some of the stuff. Nah. No. Nah. All, right. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've touched on this a bit. So what negative emotion or thought pattern let's let's say limiting belief okay yeah what limiting belief do you think throughout your life has held you back the most what's been the most predominant one yeah i'd say i just really want to think about it so i can say, absolutely say yeah, yeah um i guess yeah it would be that one we spoke about and we alluded to before probably the fear of rejection mm-hmm. um and I guess not being enough was something that, um, yeah, would would hold you back. And it's at such an unco- unconscious level sometimes that it's only till you really reflect back and say, oh, why didn't I do that then? Or what was mm. that? That you're like the fear of putting yourself out there was was a pattern in the past, but something definitely that I've been able to start to overcome. But absolutely, is that, that's what you mean by a hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. And they are all our belief systems are locked in that subconscious, and we're aware of some and not aware of a lot of others. Yeah. And like you said before, it's that awareness is that first step to, to trying to work out, hang on, where does this come from? Why do I have this belief? And the rejection one and the good enough one is really common. And I guess to get even more specific around what it, that sentence actually looks like in terms of, um, I guess, a day-to-day level, something a lot of people might be able to relate to is um, maybe I should just be okay with what everyone else has. And that, you know, wanting for more is actually a negative thing. Yeah. We're realizing yeah. that it's actually okay because we're in this interesting period where there's all this talk about gratitude, which gratitude is amazing. I love mm-hmm. the benefits of gratitude, but that doesn't necessarily mean settling. They're different things. Being grateful for something and settling are two different things. You Absolutely. can be simultaneously um, thankful, but also be pursuing for more because everyone has in them a purpose to do amazing things and we're mm. engineered with this ability to create like you said before ryan and when we're creating is when we we come alive mm. and to to push that down at fear and at the expense of you know not fitting in i guess that was the that was the the limiting belief system and, and the narrative that you know i just have to i guess do enough and if I'm going outside of that, that's pretty scary. So it was a, a fear thing would be a limiting belief system that I can't go outside of that because no one else is really doing that. So maybe there's a reason no one else is doing that because yeah. it doesn't actually work. Mm. And then all this stuff you're hearing about, you know, people being successful or making something of themselves is actually just fake. Yeah, so it's that idea. Yeah. But then actually realizing that that's, you know, there's a, there's a reason 
only a certain percentage of people in life are really successful because they accept that lie, they accept that limiting belief system. Yeah, and they switch it to, like you said, it's okay to have more. Yeah. It's okay to be more. It's okay to have whatever the... And then that comes with self-worth and realising it's okay for you to have more and you're worthy of that. Mm -hmm. And then through having more, it's actually going to be a thing that's selfless because through being a really influential, like uh, wealthy or person that's known, you're actually able to have influence. So if you're wanting wealth just for yourself and for your own needs and things you can buy, yeah, that's probably selfish. But if you're seeing your wealth as an ability to make mass difference, someone like your Elon Musks and Mm. these types, then there's nothing wrong with that. You're worthy of that. And I think I had to get to the point where I realized, you know, I want this for the right reasons. And it's okay to for that Christopher James Irving is going to be the successful person. Yeah, and I really accept important. that, and I and I envision that. Yeah. Sorry, this was meant to be important rapid fire, and I just I just blabbed no, like on. It. Let's I, go back to rapid. Like what it. else you got? <laughs> Slow fire. Rapids is just splurge. <laughs> no, it's I say rapid, but I like the long answers. It's yeah. good. It's gold. What are, you, what are you working on? I know you're about to embark on a fucking year of different things, but what are you working on self-development-wise on yourself at the minute? Is there a particular area that you're focusing on? Yeah, I'd say um, just getting into more and more books. So mm-hmm. trying to read more, making an effort to invest into my, I guess, my knowledge and skills. And also the morning routine has been a big thing for me. Yep. So um, and going forward, just nailing that morning routine because the way we start our day... I guess is so huge. So yeah. So run know, us through your morning routine. Yeah. So the ideal morning routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What yeah. I wanted to get to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just getting up and straight away and uh, being in prayer um, and, and reading the Word and also. And, and how long does that? What does that look like? The prayer. How long does that go for? I guess ideally it would probably be for like half an hour, mm-hmm. um, and then just wanting to hit the gym because when I I find when I go to the gym as well, it really. It just clears my head mm. and I get I get some of my best ideas straight after the gym. It's like those you yeah. know, serotonin's kicking in and yeah. dopamine and mm-hmm. you're just like, bam. And I just actually write down a lot of the stuff that I'm thinking about straight after that. So some yeah, of the nice. best ideas come from that. And then also just being really, you know, we talked about deliberately better, but being deliberate in what I put my time and energy to. So efficiency, I'm really big on wanting to improve in efficiency and productivity because we all have the same 24 hours in a day right so it's this tim ferris stuff of you know how can i get more out of the limited time and mm-hmm. and um be in a state of flow which is a psychological term that means you're doing something that's you know challenging but you really love and then you, when you're in a state of flow is in those times where you know you look at the watch like right now we've been talking for so long but it feels like 15 minutes Correct, yeah. so that's when that's what you're talking about state of flow and that can often happen with you know family and friends when you have an amazing time but i'm trying to find flow in my daily life and what mm. i do and being really because that's when you're most productive that's a peak performance state to be in a state of flow and it feels effortless it's effortless effortless action and it gives you energy rather than taking away energy Mm -hmm. so I'm looking for ways that I can optimise my daily routine and and that starts with that morning routine yeah set you up for success right Uh, you spoke about getting more into the books is there any books that have jumped out at you recently that have had a big impact on you yeah definitely so um, in terms of uh, for people experiencing anxiety at the moment, one that I would recommend would be The Dare Response by Barry McDonough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great for helping you to start to understand your anxiety um, and then go on that journey. And then going away from that, from the zero to plus 10 <laughs> on our scale thing before. Yeah. But if you're sort of uh, looking to grow personally or in business, I would say a great resource. I love a lot of Gary Vee stuff. Um, Crush It is a great audio book. Um, 
There's another one called Elite Minds, which is another great book. And then another one. I don't agree with everything he says, but there's one by um, Grant Cardone, Be Obsessed or Be Average. With If you're someone who finds yourself um, being dwindled by fear thinking or you don't feel like you can amount to anything or you're putting limits on you know, your destiny or what you're trying to achieve, Be Obsessed or Be Average is one that can really help you make a shift. So I would definitely, you know, take everything. And with all these books, I would say that you don't have to listen to one book and then become exactly like that person. You're unique. You're uniquely you. So take what you need from every book that you read, integrate it into your journey, and then, you know, become the best version of you because you don't need to be... uh, Because I find sometimes people will read one book and then they're all that person for a month and then they'll read another book and they're just that they're just trying to clone it it's like you got to just take what you need and then evolve with that it's that integration yeah like you said that's really important yeah yeah because a lot of we can read books and take in the information but then not apply a lot of it yeah and i'll I'll sort of take a i'll read a book and then go back through the book and just go through the main points that resonated for me you know some books that'll be five things some books that'll be 20 or 30 things but then write them down and be like well how am i going to start to apply these now and then when you integrate that into you and you've got these new sort of leveled up skills, then you've got another book, then you're trying to level up. And so I think it's, yeah, taking the bits because we don't want to be a clone of anyone else, but we do want to find what's going to work for us to take us to a new level. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's it's about taking the concepts rather than fixating on the person as well, I think, in these books. And yeah, you'll have, I recommend that if you find two or three that really resonate with you, make them like your Bible read them over and over again you don't have to just say i've already read that one because the more you reread it those concepts that really spoke out to you you'll be able to live those and integrate them more deeply if you keep on um, returning back to them rather than because if sometimes if you're trying to read too many different books your you know your whole narrative so to speak will be in uh, conflict yeah because you'll be you'll have this going on there this going on there but you want to be focused and deep in your values and your views and what you're trying to do so yeah just uh, take take a few books and really um, hone in on what they're saying, and, yeah, um, and be you'll find you'll you. find you take different things out of it yeah. as well because you're a different person when that's you're reading it, it again. Totally, totally, yeah, incredible. All right, let's finish up by just saying uh, where can people get in touch with you and what you're doing. Where can people find you at the minute? Yeah, Maybe great. Email socials. Um, yeah, so if you want to get on board, I guess um, our main page, which is um, Zenith and the Zenith Network, uh, you can find us on Facebook. We have a website as well, www.thezenithnetwork.com.au. Zenith spelt Z-E-N-I-T-H. So many people have come at me with different ways of spelling it that I didn't even think of, like the double N. Um, the double N? Yeah, like Z-E-N-N-I-T. Yeah, right. Yeah, and just weird ways of spelling it. Um, but yeah, there's that. And then also if you're wanting to join on on Deliberately Better, that initiative we're starting in 2018, um, literally the Facebook group is slash Deliberately Better. So we managed to get that group page, which is cool. I reckon people are going to love that, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just one. so interactive and experiential that I think yeah. a lot of people get on board with it. And it's free. So you can take all this value, get on this personal development journey with us and it's really at no cost to you get your family and friends do it with a best mate Um, it's going to be a lot of fun and we look forward to sharing the journey with you guys awesome awesome all right mate well uh, that wraps things up thanks so much for coming on today and um i think people really got a taste of your passion and where you're going in life and to hear from someone who's really on purpose you contacted me must be nearly 18 months ago now um we were uh, 
linked up with uh, our friend Vicky. Um, so thanks to Vicky. But I remember you called me on the phone, first time we'd ever spoken. Uh, you just um, that purpose and passion and what Zenith was about and where it was going. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> and, um, it's been nearly 18 months and um, it's been an incredible journey. And I'm really looking forward to strengthening that relationship in the future. And I'm like you said at the start, man, like all the different people you've got in the Zenith network of all different fields. The one thing in common is they're so passionate about what they do and passionate about helping people. And the more we can have that community the more people can get help so um, it's been a pleasure mate thanks for coming on thanks for being vulnerable and sharing your story yeah thanks for having me ryan as one of the original zenites <laughs> Zenite. <laughs> i just made that word up <laughs> one of the original zenites um yeah you've seen the vision from the start and seen it evolve and the amount of quality health practitioners we've got on board now is just phenomenal and it takes the early adopters like ryan um, who's also just evolved since we first met him and is doing even bigger and better things um, for something like zenith to grow so if you're a prospective health professional as well that really feels like you resonate with a type of person ryan is and uh, and myself we'd love to get in contact so yeah hit up the website message us through and thanks for having me on the podcast today has just been amazing being able to share this journey and knowing that it's going to help people and reach some cool people so it, mate and we're here on christmas eve we're about christmas to wrap eve. up 2017 dedication, dedication mate. um so yeah that's it for another episode guys this is the original zenite signing yeah. off can you put some jingle bells <laughs> over this podcast because it's the christmas eve one? i'll try i'll have a look at the <laughs> editing process all right guys we'll see you on the next one have a great christmas and new year peace out there's another episode of Shift Happens in the Books. Thank you so much for tuning in. That was such an inspiring chat with Chris. I'm all fired up after having that chat. <laughs> I want to go take on the world. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. For all the show notes, everything that we spoke about, head on over to shpodcast.com.au. That's shpodcast.com.au. It is said the greatest gift that one human being can give to another is the gift of their attention. So I thank you so much for giving me that. Guys, have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful week. I'll see you on the next episode. I love you all. Peace out. Shift happens. I can't. I can't. I can't. What we do in life echoes in eternity. eternity.